All right, welcome to Talk is Jericho. It is the pod of thunder and rock and roll. And today, right here on the show, I have got England's number one podcaster, Scroobius Pip, is here. He uh, He's the Adam Carolla of England, shall we say. He's a beat poet, a rapper, an actor, a comedian, uh, a very hilarious guy with, with an amazing name of Scroobius Pip. How did he get that name? Uh, I have no idea. Uh, we're going to find all of that out. That's one of the cool things I love about doing this show is I get a chance to travel around the world. I did Scroobius's podcast when I was over there for Fozzie. He's a big Fozzie fan. We had a, a blast. And then uh, as a result, um, I decided I want to have him back on my show and bring him uh, overseas, so to speak, for you guys to hear. How could you not be curious about a guy called Scroobius Pip? I know I was. Um, he's uh, here today. Fun conversation about music and Acting and how his podcast got off the ground, where he got his crazy name. We're going to talk movies. Scroobius Pip was in Guy Ritchie's latest film. He'll tell us all about that. Uh, he's also in uh, Kurt Sutter's last um, show, The Bastard Executioner. Scroobius, all over the place. He's going to uh, he's going to uh, make you laugh, which is good. We've had some pretty heavy shows last week between the uh, true story behind The Conjuring, enough to get you shivering, and then, of course, the inside story on the Benoit family tragedy with Sandra Toffoloni. If you have not listened to either one of those shows, go back and listen. They will make you think, especially the uh, obviously the Benoit family tragedy. Uh, close to home for me, but gave me a little bit of closure, and I uh, really enjoyed it. Um, she was a great guest, and so is Scroobius, and so was Jake the Snake when he did my show uh, last year, year and a half ago, whenever it was. And there's an incredible, incredible documentary that's uh, that's that's come out a few months ago called "The Resurrection of Jake the Snake." Uh, it's the brainchild of Diamond Dallas Page and director Steve Yu. They put the documentary together. It's an inspiring story. It's a heartwarming story. It'll piss you off. It'll make you laugh. It'll make you cry. Everything in between. One of the best documentaries I've ever seen, and that's a true story. If you don't uh, like wrestling, don't matter. You'll still dig this film. An incredible story about one man's battle back from certain death to reclaim his life, his family, and his career. You'll laugh, you'll cry, you'll cheer, you'll yell at Jake. Trust me, I did. You'll be inspired, most importantly, at the end of this doc. And it's now on DVD and Blu-ray, and it's a must-have in your collection. Dallas and his boys have put so much time and work into the Collector's Edition DVD. 20 bonus features, including a commentary track narrated by Dallas, Jake, and director Steve Yu. Right now, you can get the Collector's Edition of... Of the resurrection of Jake the Snake at ddpyoga.com slash Jericho. And if you use my promo code Y2J, you'll get 10% off anything you buy for a limited time, anything on his site. You've got to see this documentary. You've got to use the DDP Yoga program. You'll be inspired. You'll get in the best shape of your life mentally, physically. That's what happened with Jake the Snake. Diamond Dallas Page literally saved Jake the Snake Roberts' life. And it's all documented in this film and it's documented in the program. Be inspired. Do it. Give DDP Yoga and the DDP Yoga Now app a try yourself. This app is incredible. One of my favorite apps I have on my phone. I don't do use uh, have to use the DVDs anymore. I use it all on the app. So you can too, you can too uh, feel better, look better, and uh, think better. DDPYoga.com slash Jericho. DDPYoga.com slash Jericho. Come on, man. Hip, damn, boom, bam. Get off your ass and jam. It's time to get in the best shape of your life with DDPYoga.com slash Jericho. Go try it now. And hey, don't forget to mark your calendars. It's March 15th, 2017. Say with me now. It's the biggest podcast ever. That's Mick Foley joining Talk is Jericho. The countdown has begun. Each day gets closer to the biggest podcast ever. 
Foley versus Jericho. It's coming up. All right, so we're back here uh, in the Fozzie tour bus in the illustrious back lounge. Beautiful. Beautiful, yes. And I thought <laughs> I wanted to impress you, uh, Mr. Pip, Mr. Yeah. Scroobius Pip. Which is one of the greatest names. Yeah, thank People you. People won't forget that name. No, no, it sticks. It sticks. It's and, distinctive, right? Yeah, and the thing is, when um, you know, I started doing my podcast, talk, uh, the talk is Jericho, obviously. People kept saying you got to do Scroobius Pip, yeah. Scroobius Pip, and so Good. a few weeks ago, I went and did your show and got just amazing reactions. Yeah, they they seemed to love it. It went down so well online. It was hilarious to me because the guests. By chance, the guest that you had the week after was Luke Harper, who's got a similar look to me. So loads of people were like, I thought we went on Talk is Jericho and you were on there straight away. So I was like, well, there you go. There's Just saw the big, yeah, the big exactly, beard. Saw but, the big beard. But you know what I liked about it was um, <laughs> reading some of the – because you, you do – first of all, you do a great job of promoting your show on social media. Yeah, I've kind of I've, – I've, I've, all my career, I've, I've lived and died off social media. I've kind of – because I've never – when we had our first big single, we talked to major labels and we decided to go with an independent label instead of with the majors. And therefore, all of our promotion over all the years has been that direct talking to the fans rather than, mm-hmm. you know, anything else, rather than having big budgets for big ad campaigns or anything else. So, yeah, on with the podcast, because it's essentially a one man show, it's kind of it's always it's been about that drawing them in a bit with the social right. media and. And yeah, and getting everyone on board. When we talked about that on, on your podcast, yeah. which is called Distraction Pieces, Pieces by the yep. way, which is a great show, and um, we we talked about that when I was on about how social media is so yeah. important now because yeah. nobody is buying ads or really promoting. It's yeah. pretty much up to you to do that. Yeah, completely. And it's it's a tough one. I think it's an interesting time because people always say how in the in the digital age you don't need labels and stuff like that i think that's true to an extent but it depends on your kind of character and your personality and what and what kind of band you are if if you're the kind of person who can engage in that way then that's great but if you're not then you need someone to teach you how to do that or to to walk you through it and it's yeah and the thing i like to to get back is was reading the comments on your instagram about people who had no idea who i was saying i didn't know chris jericho but yeah. I really enjoyed the show. Yeah. And that's kind of what I like to do w- yeah. with my show is to bring on people that you might not have not be familiar with. Completely. But if you like me, trust me that you'll like this this guest. I've always had a thing. It's, it's weird. I think you mentioned on my one, the uh, J- J- Jonathan Ro- Ross show, mm-hmm. bizarrely. And it's something I've always used as an example because I'm a, a big fan of Jonathan. He's going to c- c- come on the podcast at some point. But uh, when I started Wasi. doing my podcast... Yeah, exactly. Wasi, yeah. And when I started doing my podcast, I realized, for an example is the Jonathan Ross show. There's four or five huge A-list stars on every week, and he gets millions of viewers. He, could sti- he would still get those millions if he had two or three A-list stars and one or two people that are just interesting as f- mm-hmm. Am I allowed to swear? Sorry. Sure. I always need Go to for t- it. T- t- <laughs> just, just interesting people, and you can have that balance. So I've had people like... Wes Borland and Russell Brand and, 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 and yourself that are, you know, are big known names. But then I've also had a huge variation of people. So over the years, I've now got this core fan base who kind of trust me and will listen regardless. You know what I mean? It won't just be about who's on this week. Yeah. It will be, we're going to listen regardless and, and take it in. And that's the secret. Yeah. Like, yeah. for example, in, in the States, uh, there's Jimmy Fallon now to yeah. host The Tonight Show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'll watch that because I love Jimmy. He's yeah. very entertaining. Yeah, He's hugely. always got the little skits at the beginning of the show and stuff. And then the guest comes on. Obviously, there's some guests that you are excited about. And other yeah. ones, never heard of this person. But it's The Tonight Show, so I'll watch it and yeah. check it out. 
Yeah. Well, I did um, on. I, I've not toured America because I do a music as well. I should explain that. I'm, I'm, well, yeah, I'm I, 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 I want to have you on the show because yeah, there'll be a lot of this. people that have yeah. no idea who yeah. the hell you are. Exactly. So last time I toured America was about four or five years ago, and we did something like twenty-five shows in twenty-six days. Mm. It was intense, and on the day off we did the Carson Daly show and it was a similar thing where it was like Carson and his people were just into our stuff and we were like we don't we've not really earned our way onto this but it was great that they were like no I think the fans our fan base will like you so come on and right. do your thing so it was great to get to do sure things like that to have that exposure when and again it's, it's easy to just book big name after big name after big name so it's great when shows are open to that and to wait and, 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 and let's let's discuss it first of all and the reason why i brought up your name for a scroobius yeah. pip is it really describes yeah who you are and, yeah. and i'm a scroobius pip in yeah. a way as well so explain Completely. what that is so i got the name from an edward lear poem um and again that makes me sound far more well-read and intelligent than i am <laughs> i actually heard about it in i generally i was working in a record store and we sold books of dogs names and it was mentioned in there so books of dogs of names. dogs names just ideas for names for your dog bizarre but yeah anyway i looked it up and and the scroobius pip it's a creature that that wakes up in the jungle and it, it doesn't know what it is and it goes with the fish for a bit then realizes it isn't a fish and it goes with the the lions for a bit and realizes it's fine but it isn't a lion and in the end it realizes it is just a scroobius pip and that's that's fine it can be its own creature so at the time and even even more so now like i've just this year I've done a Guy Ritchie film and a Kurt Sutter TV show in acting and I'm doing the podcast but I do I've made my career for the last eight nine years in music and spoken words and kind of hosting a radio show and things like that so it's that thing of going right I don't have to go here's what I do do you know what I mean so it does yeah. so it's not felt like a musician transitioning into acting or a musician transitioning into, into presenting it's felt like just another thing that i'm doing mm -hmm. just kind of try something else new but it's all under the same umbrella of yeah. being in show business being a being yeah. a, a showman and yeah and again all all under the same umbrella and to get um kind of a, cl a clinical on it it's all under the same brand it's all sure. under scroobius pip it's all it's, it's it's one thing and i've always i've quote i've said for years what i try to do my aim and career goals is to just keep doing cool shit and, and it's as broad as that. And I don't mean that as in cool as in hip. Just stuff that I'm like, damn, this is a cool opportunity. It's why I've got a club night and I run a film night at an old cinema in London and stuff like that. Because if these opportunities come up, I look at it and go, that sounds like a cool thing to do. Let's, right, let's, do, let's do that. So that's kind of the aim. Rather than in the next two years, I need another album or this or that. It's like, well, no, I'll just keep trying to do well, and, and that's, interesting I, stuff. I have the same vibe. If something comes across my proverbial desk that I find interesting, yeah. I'll give it a shot because... Well, you've had a big break into acting this past well, year, haven't you? In, 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 and comedy acting, yeah, what quite, I've seen yeah, as well. With, so. with the digital series, yeah, and then yeah. they did the Sharknado thing, and all of that you know, comes from, I would love to do this, I'll give it a try. Yeah. I think I can give it 100%, and yeah. my fan base knows if I'm doing this, that... Trust me, once again, you'll like it. I think there's a huge amount in, number one, having the confidence, but number one, having a fan base who allow you to have that confidence right. to just not overthink, oh, how will this, this come across? What will this look like? Yeah. What will be the perception? Just rather, as exactly as you said, go, will I enjoy this? Yeah. And I, I will, so I'll do it. Rather than, because you can spend hours thinking, well, maybe if I was to do this TV show or this film or this or that, people might not like it or mm -hmm. people might think, oh, he's trying to go here. Whereas if you just go, Man, if I was at college or at school or whatever still, and this opportunity came up, would I be 
sure. in the next day telling absolutely everyone. Yeah. If, if the if the answer is yes, then go ahead and do it, man. It's now let me ask you this just as a quick little segue. You were talking about the the dogs' names. Yeah, the yeah. What other names are in there? Like, you really need a book to find out dogs' exactly. names? Exactly. Add loads of weird names. Add so, so basically, I mean, I find it if I've, I've not got a pet, but if I did, I'd rather go with a name that's like a normal human name because I find that just far more hilarious. Like just calling your dog Martin or or Kevin or, or, or something just 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 blunt like that. It's far more entertaining yeah. than Scroobius Pip or, or Patch or anything else. So it's like Family Guy, Brian. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I'd far rather go that route. But yeah, it had loads of different. They had a, they had two separate books, and it shows you the the crap that people will sell, particularly at Christmas and stuff like that, <laughs> to have these add-on sales. There was a book of cats' names and a book of dogs' names, and it's like, and that's like an impulse buy that people would yeah, buy. Like if it's you're like in a, the checkout a pound line, or two at the checkout, yeah, and you pick it up and give it to people yeah. in the stocking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Know? So yeah, interesting sales. Do, do you have that in, in in England? Like, do you have stockings? And we, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, we do. We do. We we um, become more and more Americanized with all our holidays as 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 the years go on. And yeah, the, definitely that now traditional image of of, st- of stockings hung up and yeah, all this that's kind a very of thing. American style. Christmas, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And we, again, we we're all over that. We love that. Yeah, so it's, it's a lot of similarities between an English Christmas, yeah, and an American Christmas. Yeah, and and an American uh, thanks. Uh, because you do turkey and that for Thanksgiving. That's today. You do that, yes, that's Thanksgiving. Today. We're Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving, indeed. <laughs> so you, yeah. So we do turkey and all, all of the, basically, essentially, all the the food that you, I'm seeing everyone posting on Instagram mm. at the moment, which is a, a a sin of Instagram in many ways. That you'll suddenly at, t- at this time Don't of year, it'll be constant food. It's I like, hate when people post cool, pictures man. of food, particularly on something like Thanksgiving, because you're all having the same stuff. <laughs> you know, you're all eating the same stuff. So it's like it's not that you don't really need to share that right, that much. Right. Just, you know that's happening. You know, uh, in Canada, we have a phrase called Boxing Day, which comes yep. from England. Oh, we've got Boxing Yeah, the day after Christmas is Boxing well, Day. No, it's for us. all for like it's all like sales and, and stuff like that. Yeah. What does Boxing Day mean in England? I've it's always the same here. It's, really? it's huge. It's when the sales start. Um, again, it's kind of crazy because I don't understand it anymore. In the digital age, when the sales in general they start like the beginning of December these right, days. Yeah. Or yeah, it's kind of they start immediately. So I think the buzz of that has died a bit, but say 10 15 years ago the sales would start on boxing day and the shops would be absolutely manic mm-hmm. kind of like black friday is in america as we see and now over here that there's queues around the block to get these deals so yeah you have black friday in england as well we do now oh, okay, only so. the last couple of years last year was the first time and it was all over the press because there was literally riots in certain shops and people saying what even is this this isn't well, this yeah, isn't a, this is a new thing to us. Why are we doing this? But yeah, you hear people getting stabbed at Black yeah. Friday sales and trampled. stuff like that. There was all sorts of all, all, all sorts of videos of people getting trampled and all sorts of silliness. <laughs> it's like, I am um, on on my web store on uh, on Black Friday. I've done it the last two or three years. It's the one day of a year I close my web store because <laughs> I'm like, just don't, just don't. Because the fact is, all the Black Friday stuff in general. In many ways, it's an insult in my books because it's like, right, so you can, these big companies, so that's how much you could sell it for. Why have you been charging me this much all year round? So I kind of, my theory, and it sounds cheesy, is I try and make it as affordable and accessible all year round. So on Black Friday, I just go, right, go and spend your money on a pizza instead. Or go and buy (laughs) some ice cream or go and feed the ducks in the park or spend spend your money on something that isn't this big commercial holiday. Just the one day. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? 
Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. So you mentioned that you kind of started almost as a rapper, but also as a yeah. spoken word yeah. performer. Was spoken word first? Yeah, it was first. It's weird because I grew up a loving rap. Um, and and hip hop and, and punk. Like I grew up in, into punk and hardcore, and then I got into hip hop because I think there's a lot of similarities. I think there's it's all the voice of the voiceless. It's kind of hip hop came up in America in the same way that punk came up in the UK. It was the it was the lower classes who or or the repressed who were having suddenly having a voice and suddenly mm-hmm. having this accessibility to speak their minds and get their message out there. Um, but then I, I've lived in the same small town in Essex, which is about an hour outside of London. I've lived in, in the same small town my whole life. So I messed about in little punk bands and little rock bands and things like that, playing a bit of a bass, playing a bit of guitar, or, or being demoted to bass because all the guitarists <laughs> were far better than me. And that's always an insult to bassists, but the fact is I played bass because the, the other guitarists in the band were a, a lot more talented than and me. And two less strings, so it's not as confusing. Exactly, it's simpler. But, um, <laughs> so, so, yeah, but it was that thing of... I started I started to hear about spoken word through people like Sage Francis and Gil Scott Heron and, and Karis One, even. Like, um, like Henry Rollins, too? Henry Rollins, yeah. yeah. All sorts of people like that were, were, were blowing it up in that way. And I kind of had that realisation of, right, this is something I can do off my own back. I can't have that typical thing of if we're not successful, it's the drummer's fault because he's not got a car and his mum has to give him a lift to every gig because he's got the drum kit and and things like that. There's always other people to blame. Whereas on spoken word, I was like, right, I can live or die on my own on on my own sword here. So I'd go out and start doing open mics. I did a thing where um, I quit my job in a record store and I saved enough money to live for a year. And I was like, right, I'll try music and spoken word and whatever for a year. And I bought a 1987. a Toyota Space Cruiser and I toured around the country living in my little van um, and just performing on street corners and performing anywhere I could open mics anything I could so would you, would you just show up in a town or would you look like would you get like a list of open mics for the whole sh- next two or three weeks and try and go from town to it town developed, it developed I'd show up in towns and I realised quite quickly that the busiest place in the town is the, is the town centre that's also the place filled with the people who least want to hear spoken word or, or poetry <laughs> or rap or whatever you want to call it. So I'd get there with all my stuff and be like, yeah, this isn't the one. And I'd, I'd either do pure acapella or I'd beatbox into a loop pedal and, and rap over the top or things like that. I'd try and variate it, but that wasn't working. So what I learned quite quick was I'd get to each town and I'd look at the, at the local gig listings. Because in theory, if someone like DJ Sh- Shadow or, or even kind of your Limp Biscuits or anyone like that, someone that's got a bit of rap involved or, or, or even a bit of conscious thinking, if they're in town, they will literally get my target audience and line them up against a wall. Like, literally, because there'll be a queue outside their gig. So the I would start turning up outside their shows and performing. And it was always key to me to not busk. I was like, I don't want to be asking for money because I think there's instantly a mentality there that you're, you're put upon. Do you know what I mean? If someone's yeah, asking yeah. for money, you're instantly like, I didn't ask you to ask me. I feel awkward. So I'd get there and I'd say, look, you've come for a gig there's going to be a great show there's going to be some great support acts here's an extra support act for free i'll give you my flyer so you know to find me on myspace it was in the myspace days <laughs> so you know where to find me if there's more and i think that's key because i think no matter how good you are if they're then going to see 
fozzy headline they're going to be remembering fozzy headlining rather than the guy outside because that they know all the songs they're there right. for that whole thing so the key for me was to put something that's in the morning when they wake up they're going to look and go oh yeah there was that guy outside mm-hmm. and i kind of enjoyed that and then they can if they want to buy my stuff that's available to buy oh, there and, okay. and so on and so forth so you're yeah. almost like a living billboard yeah yeah and and i did that and it it worked a, a really well i you know i built a big fan base there my initial album i pressed i made a thousand and i sold all of them hand to hand over those over those months um and yeah it just kind of all built and built so and built what would you do for your performance would you have a a, a, a pat set list would you improv a lot do you freestyling i don't freestyle do? but i would um i i practice like crazy <laughs> and 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 that was always it i've never felt I, it, when we started to get a name and started to get reviewed, it was always commented on my confidence on stage. And that was due to the fact that I've spent so long practicing this. The being on stage bit is exciting. It's not mm-hmm. nerve-wracking. Mm-hmm. It's like this is the time I get to right. show how hard I've worked. And not in an arrogant way, but it's like I know the material. So that bit I'm not worried about because of the hard work I've put in previously. So yeah. to get in to be up there and perform that is the exciting part. So, um, so yeah, I did that. And, like, for example, I then did... So three or four years after that, I did my first proper solo a record on my label. And on that, a, one of the beats was produced by someone who was in one of them cues. Ah, so he was there you. to see Buck 65 and he kind of he kept, kept watching. And then he sent me some beats and he was amazing. And then he kind of said, you know how we met, right? You gave me a flyer outside the Bucks in Camden at the bar fly and it's like it's crazy how these things kind of come never know come full circle now, here's yeah. something interesting too rapping obviously is very much being on point yeah. spoken word and yeah using your voice but i noticed you have a little bit of a stutter yeah yeah i've had a stutter since i was a four or five um it came from i was on holiday in france because they normally come from a traumatic ex- experience that's where stutters usually start yeah they generally really? there's generally a trigger and i found this out oh. through i had hypnosis really I had to find this out i had it when i was Fourteen or fifteen, I think. So I didn't know that this was where it came from. Um, and I was in France as a four or five-year-old, and we were walking along the beach. And I think I'd just trailed b- b- back from my family, and a wave came up and took me out. And it took me quite far before my family realised. And then my dad came out and saved me. And but yeah, that's kind of wow. that's where it comes from. And I had this hypnosis, and it, it took me through it all. And it was like. Wow, this is this is You're kidding yeah. me. Yeah, it's fascinating. So, so stutters are caused by a traumatic experience. Yeah, it's, it's not a genetic thing. Or no, no, no. They tend to be. I think there's a difference between stutters and stammers. I think stammers are often associated with with other disabilities. I'm not certain. I'm not. Yeah, I can't yeah, yeah, speak yeah, for everyone on this, but in in general, stutters something like ninety percent of them come from a traumatic experience mm. that triggers it which i find i find absolutely fascinating i think it's after people mention it and say is it awkward it's like no it's fucking it's amazing how can we it's so weird to think that like particularly in, in america for example there's a huge amount put on freedom of speech right. and the right to have freedom of speech the fact is i've never 100 percent known that because i've never been able to say anything i want there's certain words that either i either won't be able to say or oh, i'll get really? stuck on or get mm. caught up and I think it's benefited me as a performer and as a writer because my stuff, it's quite wordy. So I think my vocabulary improved as a kid because I'd be thinking ahead in my sentence and knowing there's words I'm going to stutter on and I'd be replacing them with other words. Are these like three or four syllable words, like really big words? Um, It's normally the beginning of the word. It's a a D or a W or often bad. There's um, I'll do my little 
party tr- a trick now. I've got I've got a, a, a video online about it. There's a comedian um, in the UK. He's Irish actually, um, and I always stutter on his name. His name's Dylan Moran. Always get caught on it. Dylan. Yeah, Dylan. Yeah, it's that D, but it's that kind of D as well. It's weird. It's so I don't particularly stutter on David's or or things. So it's weird. It's these. Yeah, it's this specific, but. I met with this guy who was in another band who I was helping out and giving some advice on, on, on self-promotion and stuff like that, and he had a really bad stutter, and he showed me a technique of tapping out the syllables with his, thing, his fingers on his thigh. Mm. So just going like tapping out the syllables, which I'm tapping on my thigh right, for those right, listening. Right. And with that, Dylan Moran, Dylan Moran, wow. Dylan Moran, Dylan Moran. And I can say it fine. And I made a YouTube video of this the very next morning because I was like, this is amazing. And again, I'm lucky because it's, it's something that, as I've grown up, I'm not embarrassed of. I see my stutter as similar to an accent. Sure. You know, there's people, as you'll see from traveling the country, if you get up to Newcastle, Ooh, the, yeah. the, they sound bizarre. Yeah. But, you know, so, yeah. so it's like I just see my voice as, as, the, as an accent as much as anything. But did, uh, did it ever affect you when you're rapping? Or is it like, no. so, like for example, there's a, this is kind of really old school, but there's certain people. There's, there was a country singer yeah. called Mel Tillis in the yeah. 70s. He was in the Cannonball Run movies. Yeah. He had a really bad stutter. But when he was singing, nothing. It's similar. Perfect. It's similar. It's absolutely f- fine. Um, or it tends to be. Yeah, I've, I've, I've never had any issues. Um, and again, I think a lot of it, Again, because I think it's it's mental in some way. It's mm. in some way mental. So I think on stage, because you've got so many other things to concentrate on, you kind of just flow through. And I mean, as as you'll know as well, when you've toured so much, after a few years of touring at least, you are, they are words, but they become sounds almost. Yeah. You know what I mean, because you're so used to them. It's not, you're not sitting there every night thinking every single word and the meaning of it you're putting on a performance and you know putting it out sure, there and sure, performing yeah, yeah, yeah. so it becomes almost automatic and robotic in that way so it just flows as if it's a never ending word if you know what i mean so so tell me a little bit of the hypnosis thing i've yeah. never been hypnotized like so was you went there wanting to know how did this stutter start yeah or? or my parents i tried a few different bits of speech therapy i don't particularly remember them um after my teens um i experimented with quite a few different drugs so i don't know if that's affected my memory but i don't remember that much of the other (laughs) speech (laughs) i don't now but you know these things you know kids um and yeah so i had this hypnosis and it was to find out to try and or to try and improve my stutter was the the basis of it and she specialized in in hypnosis for speech impediments and things like that so she was more more knowledgeable than us i guess and she kind of explained that it's normally a traumatic thing and she kind of just regressed me and took me back and kind of looked through a few different points in my so youth. So is it kind of one of those things where you're like, you're very sleepy and snap a finger? How do you do It's that? fascinating. It's really fascinating. And, and I learned a self-hypnosis with it because it was really good for helping my, my stutter as well. Mm. And I'm adamant that it affected my gr- grades at school because part of it, the, a lot of the self-hypnosis was to make me more calm and relaxed. Mm-hmm. But that was around the time of my GCSEs, which is the end of school exams like over here. Yeah, 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 SAT kind of things. And I remember in my exams that there was t- like most of the exams I finished first, and the teacher would be like, "Do you want to go over and ch- check?" I'm like, "No, I'm, I'm fine." I was, I, was, I, was, I was so relaxed about it. I was like, <laughs> "No, nah, it's cool. I've answered what I know." You know, we'll see. So you were under self hypnosis at that time? Yeah, oh, I'd, 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 I'd use self hypnosis every night, and it was just a general to make you more relaxed in life. So what you'd do? It'd be, I'd close my eyes, and it'd be a, a set of breathing, a, a, a techniques that she'd give, and she'd talk me through 
feeling the relaxation in your toes and then up your ankles mm. and then in the knees. And it's weird because you do start to feel that when you consciously relax your muscles, because I think in life in general, we're so consciously tense. So when we're consciously going through and relaxing each part of your body um, and then it would get to your eyelids and she'll say to kind of prove a point, um, if you'd like to open them, you can, but if you try it, you'll find that they're too heavy. And you do, you kind of give it a bit of a go and you're like, oh shit, yeah, I can't, <laughs> I can't open my eyes, that's weird. Um, and we'll do that and then with my a hypnotist, she'd take you to, or she'd pick a kind of a relaxing place. And for me, she'd, um, and again, it's a great thing for helping you if you can't sleep, I find as well. She'd choose um, hang gliding. Mm-hmm. So she'd say, right, start at your house and you're looking, so she'd, it'd have to be a familiar area. Um, and you're looking down now go turn right and make your way along and it'd be this whole thing and the reason it works when sleeping but also for hypnosis is it's enough it's it's similar to counting sheep it's a simple enough thing to keep your mind busy from thinking about all the worries of the world but it's not enough to keep you awake and keep you consciousness so it's something to just distract you until you drift off so we'd do that and then she'd start to talk to me about and again it it took a few a few hits uh, 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 she'd say right we're going to go back to a point in your youth like just go to the earliest thing you remember and then anything else and then we got to this one and it seemed to be the one and she regressed me it was amazing because at the time it was perfectly fine and then about an hour after she left i had a phone call and i started on the phone and i had i just completely broke down as a as a 13 or 14 year old i suddenly had the emotions of that four or five year old right. in the water so not even it was weird it wasn't even the memories and it's uh, the memories as a 14 or 15 year old yeah. it was that absolute just kind of f- feeling like a child feeling like a scared child of the waves going into my mouth and it was fascinating because she also l- found that i used to have a recurring dream as a kid um that there was a witch in my living room Mm -hmm. and I'm in bed and the witch is coming up the stairs and I'm trying to scream to my parents and I can't and it's just a paralyzing fear of trying to scream but you can't get help and the witch is slowly coming up the stairs and she said that's from that experience because as I was trying to scream for help the waves were going in my mouth so every time I was trying which again makes you wonder if that's to do with the stutter kind of thing as well because it was that restriction of speech but every time I tried to scream a wave would go in my mouth and I couldn't scream and it was this Ah. thing of I can see my parents. Right. I know where help is, but I can't signal it and, and, and get that. it. So, yeah, you know kind you of know what's interesting. That. I took uh, uh, method acting classes mm. for about a year, about ten years ago or so. And to method act like the old Stanislav Strasberg, yeah, yeah, like yeah. Dustin Hoffman, Al Pacino, yeah. is you you drop into this character and, and how you'd start as, as a student is you would sit there in class completely quiet and same thing you'd start with tingling in your in your toes and yeah. have it move up your body to where you're completely relaxed yeah. and then the yeah. teacher would go think of a time in your life when you felt abandoned like yeah. if you were left at a you know Walmart or a department store yeah, and you yeah, lost yeah, your parents yeah. now think about that and then now you're playing this character that's abandoned that's how you drop into the character yeah. you go back to your childhood yeah. experiences so it's very find, yeah, similar, yeah, similar to the hypnosis Again, type I think, of idea I think hypnosis gets walked a little bit from TV shows and stuff sure. like that I don't know if any of that's true but I certainly don't think that the she could the pendulum back and forth I, yeah. and I certainly don't think she could have made me drink yeah. you know urine or something urine yeah. or something like that you <laughs> know, tasty milkshake I, I, felt, I felt conscious the whole time but relaxed and gotcha. allowing her to kind of talk and talk to my subconscious um but yeah, exactly. It's a similar thing there of using these techniques 
And again, it's fascinating because we don't understand the brain at all. Right. It's, it's one of the greatest mysteries still to us. We sure. don't really, and we can't, we don't really know what's going on in there. We can see energy and we can see activity, but we can't really define what all these things are. So it's fascinating things like that, of learning to use your brain and learning to access part of your brain that you maybe hadn't used before and, and techniques, as you said there, of, right. of, of, of regressing you, yourself back to go, right, that's the experience. Now I'm putting that out there. You know, in my mind, I'm I'm the five year old lost, but in everyone else's view, you're a, you know a scared kind of lost yeah. person. You know, right, right, right. It's a lot of similarities, like we were saying. And, yeah. Um, you mentioned self hypnosis and kind of uh, standing in line, doing your show in front of people. You're very yeah. kind of a do it yourself yeah. type of a guy. Completely. Now, um, I rarely do research when I do these these shows, but uh, Adam pointed out to me about the video that you have, one of your videos. Yeah. That's got like two and a half million views yeah. online. Yeah. That was probably made... Introduction, I think, that I made for £100. And what's the song called? It's called Introduction. Introduction, which means... Introduction. Um, it just it sounded oh, intro nice. Diction. Intro Diction. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah. gotcha. Um, the, one of the early, early lines is, this piece of diction is the intro to distraction pieces. So, yeah, which was that album. So, tell us, about, but you made this video for £100. £100. Um, and again, it's bizarre because it's made for £100. It's got a Travis Barker on drums. Okay. And... So Travis is obviously a fan. Emila Jovovich doing backing vocals, and Danny Alona from Nine Inch Nails produced it. <laughs> You're like all-star cast. You know, it, it was crazy, and because that was the first thing. So I made my name with a guy called Dan Lesac, and that's still the bulk of my body of work. Dan, Dan Lesac? Dan Lesac. So Dan Lesac versus Scroobius Pip was oh, cool. still, you know, we've had years of touring. We've stopped uh, are working together now, but still, I love the guy, and that's yeah, how we, yeah. we kind of came up. And Distraction Piece is my album which is also the name of the podcast, it's getting confusing, um, was just something I decided to do because me and Dan, it was more electronic and hip-hop. And as I said, I grew, I grew up listening to punk and hardcore. So I was like, I want to do something that combines my spoken word and my rapping, but with more live instruments and live drums. Um, and Danny Lona from Nine Inch Nails had tweeted some of my lyrics. Um, I had a certain... Mine and Dan's first big song was called A Thou Shall Always Kill, and it's basically rewriting The Commandments for modern times right. you know one of the commandments we get brought up regularly is um that should give equal worth to tragedies that occur in non-english speaking countries as to those that occur in english speaking countries which mm. is obviously hugely relevant as you've just been in europe with all the stuff going on in paris right and stuff like that and how stuff can get ignored if it's not american or english or yeah, in the western backyard, world yeah. yeah so um there's things like that and so the, danny alona tweeted that and i hit him up saying look i'm making this record that's more in your area would you like to get involved and he got travis involved and mila is that any bass player um he he, he he was production on, on, on loads of it so he plays bass he plays guitar live he was guitar i think okay. and and some synths but um yeah um so we made this track and but it was the first thing i was releasing on my own label and i'm not i don't come from a wealthy background i've not got tons of money so i was like right let's make a video and it was my first go at, at directing my own videos as well i had my mates working with me my friend tom who i used to do photography with at college was the cameraman you know it was all amateur and i rented a um a, a metal container like a storage container like you put on sh ships and all that kind of thing i rented a, a one of them for 70 pounds and then i spent 30 pounds on some props and the video had to be done in one take because basically i start i start rapping and as I'm going, I start cutting off my beard. And then I start <laughs> sh shaving my head. And then nice. I set a hobby horse on fire 
and start setting things on fire. Which again, because we couldn't have a dry run, and basically, my thinking there was, if I ask the people I'm renting the container from, and they say no, then we can't shoot the video. If I just do it, we can only do it once anyway. So if we get told <laughs> off afterwards, it's like it's done. So, so what did you do with the container? You threw the, the the hobby horse that was on fire in the container. So so, so so we filmed it all inside a closed a shipping container. So it's just a big metal box. Oh, so it's like a so big one storage. Of them, yeah, a okay. big storage box. Yeah. I was thinking just a barrel. Storage Wars. Okay. It's like Storage Wars. Gotcha. That's my that's my that's my <laughs> the American, American connection. Of it. Um, so yeah, in one of them, but we had the door closed. And so again, the song goes through. It's all gone well. And my initial thinking was right. I've got hundred quid. How can I get everyone who is into me and Dan to to, to listen to my solo stuff? And the, and the initial thing was cut my beard off in the video. If if word gets round, I cut my beard off in the video. Everyone will at least look at it, <laughs> right. you know. And then if they like it or not is a different thing. But I knew it'd get all the eyes on it. And our, yeah, great point, our yeah. song "Thou Shall Always Kill" had, had has now had seven or eight million views on YouTube. So so we had a few that had the following. So I was like, right, I need to get them here. So we did that, and then I set everything on fire, and it all went up a lot more than I was expecting. So it's getting very smoky, <laughs> and with with I doused. So I, the idea was, I had a, there's a line in there about horses. Um, so I had a hobby horse and I set the hobby horse on fire but we thought again we've only got one take so we need to c- cover it in petrol to make sure it goes up and it really uh, went up so <laughs> we're setting everything on fire and then we finish cut my mate's there with a, f- a fire extinguisher I open the doors and storm out and as I storm out the guy who owns the yard is walking past smoke is bellowing out and he looked over at me and just went I don't even want to know. And I was like, I was so happy. I was like, that's exactly what I needed to hear. It's fine. Don't come in here for an hour. It'll look exactly the same as it looked when you gave it to us. And yeah, I wish I shot that. The video went down well. There's a particular line in it that kind of went crazy at the time. And it's weird. I'm sure you'll have the same. When you're writing, you don't really know what, you know what's good, but you don't really know what's going to really click. Stick, yeah. And there was a line in there that said, um, you see a mousetrap, I see free cheese and a challenge. And that just went crazy <laughs> online. Happens to be tweetable. It was long enough to be tweeted. Oh, yeah, things like that. 140 yeah, characters. Exactly. So, and that kind of blew that video up. And yeah, again, for a hundred pounds spent, it really it launched my label and the solo record. Which again, there was loads of stuff on there. It was all more, as I said, more guitar based and more more heavy, but still with that hip hop influence and. The smart thing there. was, though, you were you were intelligent enough to realize if I cut my beard off, people yeah. will tune in just to watch that. Yeah, exactly. Like, and whether they're annoyed or shocked or happy or excited, it was as simple as that. I was like, right, if I cut off, because it kills me that beards have become s- such a big thing recently. Because <laughs> I really, I'm not that into beards. I don't really. People will tweet me stuff about them all the time, or memes or jokes about them. It's like. It's hair. It doesn't matter. It grows Have back. you had a beard for a long time? I've had a beard for 10 years now. So you had it before so the I've beard had, became the thing. Which is which is the most hipster thing to be able to say. <laughs> if you know what I mean? To be able to say to hipsters, I had it before it was cool, yeah. is the ultimate hipster, hipster right, lines. Right, right, it's like, yeah, yeah. there's no getting away from it. So, yeah, it was kind of... But that was the thing. I was like, yeah, I've it'll grow back. I don't care. So it was, <laughs> it was, that, it was, it was that thing of looking at all as my... And originally, I grew the beard when I started doing that to a living in a van because I thought if I'm living in a van I don't want to have to deal with shaving every day so I was like so just before I started I thought I'll start growing a beard um as I said I started it as I was working in a record store and I knew I was going to quit and try music for a year so I started growing a beard a bit before and almost a year to the day after I quit Thou Shall Always Kill came out which was the song I mentioned which is our first single with Dan Lasak and he got in the top 40 and got us touring America and Japan and everything else and kind of 
How was it to go for back you to work touring a touring in a in a in a van basically living With, living in a van yeah. for a year. I mean, it was good. I mean, I did on and off. I'd, I'd, I'd come home. Like, I, I lived at my mum's still. So, oh, you know, yeah. I was living on very a low budget. Yeah. But it was fine. And it prepped me well for the eight years that came after that of touring, of, of actual some... touring. You know, I was, I was used to that. Having a, a splitter van even was a luxury. <laughs> yeah. Having a van that had a TV in, it was like, this what? is great. Previously, yeah. it was... Because the, the, the one when I was doing it on my own, it was just the back seats folded down to make a double bed. And that was, yeah. and that was it. So... Yeah, it was kind of good, and then it, it set us up for years of, a years of being on the road. And I'm I'm off from touring for, for a year or two at the moment to try acting to to concentrate on the podcast a bit and all that. And I'm regularly at a loss because I'm so used to <laughs> touring life. I get home and there's no rider and no <laughs> one's road dog. There's, there's no there's no per DM. There's no money to. It's, it's, it's no confusing. tour manager telling you what to do, exactly. where to go. So, yeah. yeah, I just got off the of, bus like today. I was like, I got up. To manage, okay, you're getting in the car. Where are we going? You're going to Classic yeah. Rock, going to Planet Rock, coming back here. Just point me in the right direction and push me, and that's yeah. where I go. And then I go home. I don't know what to do with myself. Yeah, you know, it's amazing. I mean? it's, it's it's weird. You get in those those uh, uh, routines. And I used to go out with a girl in America who was far more f- uh, famous and successful than me, and she had to have a PA organizing her every day. <laughs> yeah. And at first, I was like, "This is weird, man. I don't know how you can live like that." And as soon as we, I was there and in it, I was like. This is the only way you can live because there's so much. It's like to it, it. It seemed weird when we first started dating. I'd be like, "So what you like? What are you doing on Thursday?" She'd be like, "I don't really know. I'll find out on Wednesday, kind of thing." And I was like, "This is bizarre." But then when you again, it's it occurred to me that's 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 what I'm, I'm like with touring. Yeah. It's exactly the same with touring. It's like I know the gig listings. Yeah. It's the day before they'll generally go. So we've got some radio. We've got some TV. We've got this. Yeah. We got that, so that just becomes your venue. What, what yeah. time is the show out? Time is VIPs. It makes you, sense. What um, you were talking about, um, you know, working in the states and living in the yeah. states and all that sort of stuff, and also about touring, and also about you know the the, the, the social media and all that sort of yeah. stuff. And I know we were talking about how important it is for you to do that. Yeah. What um, what did you? Do? I love the story, but when you what you said you would do if you get a hundred thousand followers, yeah, it was it was <laughs> it was it was good. I was kind of I'd said I was on about seventy thousand followers on Twitter, I think, and again, it still blows me away every day that, that I get to do this for a living. And yeah. this is again, I come from I've worked in in factories, in delivery vans, in all sorts of things. It's <laughs> mind blowing that this is my life now. I'm I'm, I'm I, I love that. Um, and I said. When I get to a hundred thousand, I'll take as many of you that want to come out for a drink. And again, there's that sounds more grand a gesture than it is because it's the reality that there's a hundred thousand spread over the world, and they're not all going to travel right. down to to, to Half London for what you're saying, yeah, yeah, exactly. They're not going to all come to London for one drink. You know, I'm not. Uh, I didn't guarantee them drinks all night. Yeah. Um, you said a drink, a drink, yeah. and then I got to a hundred thousand, or I was getting close to it, and someone reminded me. So then, then when I got to a hundred thousand, I posted this original tweet from like a year or two before and i said look let's do it let's do it i'll arrange it in london give me a few days and i'll sort out a venue (laughs) and we'll arrange it which was all fine until buzzfeed featured it and lad bible and numerous other huge sites that have Uh millions of followers and they're all nice but they were like oh what a nice guy pip is i'm like Give me that praise after it's gone. Don't don't do it now that you're getting. So I had I had thousands of people saying, "I'm definitely coming. We're going to make you bankrupt and all this kind of thing." I was like, "Look, I'll do it." So I only announced it the day before, and I arranged with a bar. I was like, "Look, 
have you got any like a brands of beer that are up for some you know a bit of a deal (laughs) skunky brand so it was a specific this band (laughs) piston head which is a big kind of a rock and roll lager over it's got a picture of a skull on the beard (laughs) it looks great um and they were like look we'll sort out a load of of crates and you know we'll do you a deal blah 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 so yeah i went to this bar and I'd say I'd say only about a hundred or so people ended okay. up coming in, but I went around and spent some time with everyone there and sat yeah. down and had a chat and engaged and interacted and kind of said, "Cheers, like thanks for how for, much, for how making much, this my my life." How much was the bill? I didn't have to pay a penny. Oh. The, they sorted it out. This the, 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 because it was specifically Piston Head and all this kind of thing. They said, "Look, because they were a new brand as well, I think so they had shout a certain out to amount Piston of commercial. Head. Yeah, damn right. See, yeah. so yeah, it didn't actually." It cost me a thing. Although I think the bill came to about uh, forty pounds in the end because I chose to not drink piston head, so, so, <laughs> which is now a terrible damning damnation of them. So I'm giving everyone this beer and then I'm getting my own. Right, right. You I'm guys can drink that. this swill, but I'm not going to have that. <laughs> it was it was really nice. I just wasn't a lager drinker at the time. I was a cider <laughs> yeah, 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 drinker. Yeah, so gotcha. yeah, but yeah, um, but yeah, it, it was all very affordable and all. And, and talk about a great uh, publicity stunt, and, yeah. you know, kind of like, here's what Scroobius is doing today. Again, it worked nicely, man. I had a, f- a few things all in one g- g- go at that time. And, yeah, it got picked up on a lot of, of websites. And, and the fact I went through with it got picked yeah. up even more and people seemed to be into it. Makes so, you yeah. a man of the people. Exactly. And it works nicely. And it's it's a thing I've always done. I've always... I, I, like we. Um, and me and Dan Lasak are quite known for a couple of things when we tour. Number one, always taking support acts that we're into. So our fans tend to get there from the start and mm. stay till the end because it's good value. If you're paying for a ticket and coming right. to a gig, like we come and see all the too. bands. We, or, or you're touring a whole a whole tour, basically, aren't you? You've got yes. the same bands on the whole run. And we, and we put a lot of thought into who we're taking out with us and what's the vibe of the whole show going to be from difference. doors until close it makes a difference it yeah. gives the, you know there's that professionalism then and right. that's not hating on local support but you never know who you're going to get it could be a friend of the promoter it could that's be this right. or that and it's like well you know that this is going to be from when the first bit of music plays it's going to be a professional night yes. out yes um so things like that but then also uh, we've always run our own merch booths so i'll be on merch after the show really and we did it when we we did two nights at Coco, which is in London, which is 2,500 cap, mm-hmm. I think. And we had t- a t- a t- a two nights sold out. And even there, we did our own merch booth. Really? And we split it. So Dan Lassac didn't do the merch booth. He went out the front and met fans. So it had just stopped that kind of the bottleneck and bum rush. But again, it's that weird thing outside of Coco, in fact. Dan had a fan had come up to him and go, that pip. It's all about commercialism, isn't it? Like he's at the merch because he'll sell more. And and again, it's a it's a really weird thing. Obviously, there's always going to be c- cynics, but part of that's true. But it's one of them situations where it's a win win for everyone. We will obviously sell three times as much merch sure. if we're selling it personally. But the reason I started doing it was I went to see Sage Francis once, who's a, a rapper from Providence, Rhode Isle, um, and he was doing his own merch booth. And I bought CDs I already had because I was so excited to buy them off of Sage. Yeah. And it's, it's weird it's come, come full circle now because I released his last album on my, on my label. So okay. it's this cool thing. But seeing that, I was like, right, so everyone gets to have a photo. Everyone gets to, if, if they want one, if they can, can wait through the queues, everyone gets to, to buy anything and have it signed. And we, on the financial side, we make more money as well. But I don't see how that 
you should be be cynical about that. That's 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 a win for everyone. Well, yeah, it's like doing an in store. I really believe yeah. in doing in stores yeah, where a lot hugely. of bands don't, and yeah. I don't understand that attitude because people, you know, we're talking earlier about the music business and stuff, but people still like to get the signature, the yeah. handshake, pressing the flesh. It means the world. It means you know, the world. And, yeah, and it's easy. It's more and more easy to buy a signed CD online now, but it's even, I feel it's even more if you're there with that person and you're yeah. talking to them and you get that, even if it's 10, like obviously in in-stores, it's a briefing, mm-hmm. there's a queue, you're, you're getting through, but you do get that moment of engagement. And right. I'll have that at gigs now. I'll have people that will come up or, or come to shows or come to my club night or film club. And I'll remember, I'll, yeah, I remember... You know, I remember you from Oxford. I remember that that mm-hmm. gig, and it, it means it means the world to people. But if you have that brief moment, it sticks in your mind. Yeah. The gigs, not not that the gigs don't, but the gigs you're doing a lot of the same songs over and over again every night. Right. So those engagements at the end are different every night. That's sure, the bit that, that really that's can, can stick in your fresh, head. Yeah. Right, yeah. You mentioned your film club and you mentioned your acting. I yeah. know you're doing some stuff. Uh, you mentioned with Guy Ritchie and then you're doing yeah. a Bastard Executioner yes, with, yes, Kurt, with Sutter. Kurt Sutter. So this is kind of a new world for you now getting into the acting side of things. Absolutely brand new to me, but I got kind of... I recommended it. I've, uh, I've had Simon Pegg on my podcast and... Riz Ahmed and some other actors and it's people I've got to meet through them being fans of my music and me being fans of their stuff and because a lot of the music videos I've always directed and been in and there's a level of acting in it and on stage again I have some quite serious and dark songs and some quite up-tempo kind of party songs so they were quite adamant they're like you know you've been acting for the last eight nine years like you've been going on stage and when you're doing for example a song called you will see me which is a really angry kind of breakup type song you know when you're doing that you're not really angry but you're acting mm-hmm. and you're you're drawing those emotions and in that moment you're you're living it and they're like that's all acting is and they kind of talked me into trying it out so i started to talk to some casting directors and then out of nowhere like in the year i decided to take off to try this without me approaching him i got an email from the casting director who was doing um the new nights of the round table which Guy Ritchie has done, which comes oh. out next year. They hit me up out of the blue saying, look, a guy's a fan of the podcast. He's a fan of your music. He'd like you to come and audition. And again, it's that, that kind of nice thing of, it's not a free pass, but it's a chance to Mutual go and audition. respect opens the door. Yeah, exactly that. And it's a, I, had a, I, had an in, I had a meeting with um, a casting director who looks after Andrew Garfield, who played Spider-Man recently, and loads of yeah, some, yeah, yeah. some big people. And I said to her, look, I want to start at the bottom. I want to just work hard. I want to learn. I want to be around everyone. And she sat me down and said, that's adorable, but that's the stupidest idea I've ever heard. <laughs> and she said, look, the fact is, there's people in the industry that you know who are fans of you. If you're shit, you won't get the gig. Mm-mm. But that could get you an audition. And then if, you're, if you can do it, it gets you in the door. So she was like, don't... You know, don't be afraid to use the fact that you've got a profile, you've right. got a name. You've, and and her argument was that's not cutting the queue. That's eight years of work that you've been doing in another area. Yeah, p- p- paying right, off, right. paying off, and 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 getting you in there. So yeah. And like you said, when you're when you're singing, I had the same thing. I get the same thing. You know, oh, you're acting now. It's like I've been acting for 25 yeah, years. Yeah. Because when you go into the ring or go on stage, yeah, completely, you, you have to become something else. No, I, rem- I remember listening on. Uh, when you had, had Dean Ambrose on the podcast, I mm. think it was, and I think he'd recently done a film. Yeah, he did the movie, and, yeah. and you were both saying how it was kind of bizarre that you get multiple goes at it because in your industry, you've got your lines, you've got your moment, it's live. Right. You do this and it's done, whereas you're doing it in in a studio in front of loads of cameras. Like, right, we're going to do that 
10 more times from this angle and then we're going to change angle and do it another 10 times it's like <laughs> oh wow this is this isn't half yeah, as much pressure as I right. imagine what you'd had previously of, of live and well, in front of a huge crowd well you're live exactly yeah. and you'll, you get no second chances no second take and again it is different and there's different skills to learn but still right. it, it prepared you well I guess from having sure, that experience absolutely. Of, of having to do it live and having that how was it working with Kurt Sutter um, it was amazing yeah. he's, 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 he's such a great guy he hit me up because on the Guy Ritchie film the lead in that is Charlie Hunnam who's oh, from Sons of Anarchy course, and things yeah. like that so he was emailing Kurt my music and Kurt hit me up saying look I'm loving your music would you be up for doing some music for this new TV show I'm doing and I said nah put me in it <laughs> I, was like, I said look I'm acting now I was like if, if I can get there's anything that works and the fact is the two things I've done are medieval and I've mm. got a big beard, and I look, medi- you know, is that <laughs> an English accent? An English accent and a big beard. It's like it's perfect time with Game of Thrones and everything else blown up. It's the perfect time to be British and have a beard, you know. Is <laughs> is if it, and 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 to add that added addition of coming from a different background, that that extra intrigue of being mm-hmm. a, a musician, it seems to work. So I met up with Kurt, and again, like we we hit it off instantly. Um, and he asked me to come and audition and I auditioned and it went down well and the feedback I got from Kurt and and, and Paris Barkley who's a great director who's done he, he did a lot of Sons of Anarchy but he mm. also did like um, Don't Be a Menace whilst drinking juice in the hood and, and, oh, yeah, and, and, yeah, yeah. and some old rap videos he did the Mama Said Knock You Out video for mm, a little Cool J okay. in the day and things like that so they kind of got back to me and said look the thing that they loved was it's so hard to get actors to do medieval stuff and not overact it. Yeah. I was saying a lot of the auditions they're getting to are going, I will take them now and, you know, really getting into it. To Whereas, be or not to be. Yeah, exactly. And they kind of said, what we want is you to be you. So I just went in there and kind of Which is the easiest thing to do, yeah. Exactly. So I kind of I did my lines as me and, yeah, they loved it and it went down a tree. I ended up having, the week after I had, I had you on Distraction Pieces, I had Kurt on. Oh, okay. um, and it was crazy because we were going to do, again, an hour and that was it. We ended up talking for three hours. Wow. Um, and my parking went over. I'd only paid for an hour and a half on the parking. But it, again, it ended up, it, it, it was that great thing of we kind of had that the first time we met. We really hit it off and just were on a similar wavelength and, and got mm-hmm. on well. So, yeah, yeah. And, that, and that's that, uh, that, the chemistry there yeah. is a great way to build that relationship. And it's, too, again, it's exciting. I'm, I'm, I'm really, I'm a nerd for these things. I'm a massive film nerd and TV nerd. I love these things. So all the time I was there, even if I wasn't in a scene, I was watching on the monitors. I was trying to just just learn Drink and be engaged because yeah. it's exciting. Like the, in the last week, I was riding a horse on a beach and stabbing people and getting like big f- fights with explosions and fight scenes. And I got to I shouldn't I don't know if it's it's been on in America. Um, Ed Sheeran, yeah, huge pop star, is also in it. Okay. so he had a role. And in the last season in the last episode of the series in the battle scene I'm not going to say who lives or dies or anything else but I do get to stab Ed Sheeran <laughs> which was huge for me I've known Ed for years like I did, he came up on the scene around right. a similar scene to me but he is a massive pop star with loads of teeny girly fans who wouldn't be into my shit at all so it was a huge win to get to stab Scrooby's a, a lover, stabs Ed, Ed Sheeran, Sheeran in the, in, in the final battle how, how scene How is the so, bastard execution? I haven't checked it out yet is it? I've not watched any of it yet because it's not in the UK yet oh, so I it's see. not over here yet and I'm I can't illegally download something I'm in. That yeah. feels terrible. Yeah. I, I, I don't, like stealing I, your I, own I don't album. support that anyway, but right. still, it's like even more so. I was like, man, I can't. But th- from 
everything I've heard from people in America, all saying just all loving it. And again, I've got some really, that's worth mentioning actually, just again on the social media front, I've had some amazingly lovely messages from people on my my acting debut essentially, because although I filmed this after King Arthur, it's the first thing that's gone out, because right. King Arthur is now until, until next year. So, um, yeah, just amazing feedback and, and and lovely words from people just complimenting on, on the performance, which I've not seen still. Yeah. But so, but it, it's nice, because again, there is that thing. I was aware as soon as I walked on set, I mean, I was with S- Stephen Moyer, who's, who's, who's a vampire Bill in True Blood, mm-hmm. and, you know, loads of amazing Some actors, real pros. Some yeah. real pros. So I knew I was the new boy, but they were all so welcoming and so warm and helpful, and yeah, yeah. It, was, it, it was great to then get... And, and, um, Katie, who's a Gemma in Sons of Anarchy as well, was in it, and oh, she, she in it as well? really oh. just led me along in certain scenes and things like that. Like we only had one or two together, but it was so nice to have these people who I've watched and been a fan of and appreciate just being so. It's all right. The true pros just helping you. And we'll out. get you through yeah, this. It's yeah, easy. Yeah. Like, don't be nervous. I, I was relaxed from day one on that. So yeah, it was lovely. Last question: uh, What are some of your favorite distraction piece episodes? Distraction um, pieces episodes. I mean, there's been loads, and it it really varies. Um, People like Wes Borland coming on and talking really openly. It was it was amazing to have Wes because Wes is another person who I'm, I'm working on some music okay, for my yeah. next solo record. Player but, from Limp yeah, yeah, but having him just speak openly about the positives and negatives of how big Limp Bizkit got mm-hmm. and how they became such a a jock type thing, and he was very much the one that was painted and yeah, wearing the gorilla suits kind of side on of stage. Thing, and then yeah. there's this, so just speaking so openly and honestly on that. But um, yeah, kind of all sorts of people. I had. Um, a, a, a rapper from the from a, a group called Run the Jewels, a, a rapper called Killer Mike, and that sounds like a scary, aggressive guy. <laughs> and he spoke so articulately and intelligently on all the issues facing Black America at the moment, mm. um, and the gun crime, and the and it was one of the most amazing things I've ever heard. It was so beautifully put. He's now recently been um, on CNN and on all sorts of stuff, speaking uh, mm-hmm. politics because he's got a voice for it, but. Yeah, a few like them are absolutely amazing. But I'd also like to say a few of my favourite um, episodes of Talk is, Jer- is Jericho. Please. So, um, a, a William Regal is just what oh, a, what yeah. a guy. Just yeah. just that was just, for me as a as a British guy to hear him talking about the British scene and then his going over to America and things mm-hmm. like that. But our truth just oh, blew my mind. Wow. Dude, dude danced with. Tupac and yeah. stuff like that. It's like, and that picture's you online. You wouldn't have predicted can, that at all. It's you can find the amazing. picture of Tupac and our truth online. I, I, I love stuff like that because, again, I love that. And, and again, as, as, as you've said, that you don't like to just talk about wrestling, but the beautiful thing is when you do have wrestlers on, even you hear other sides of them. And sure. there's wrestlers that. I don't watch as much as I used to. I, st- I still watch a, a fair amount. I'm, 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 I'm lying a bit there. I'm watching every week now. But, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a busy guy. I'm a busy guy. But um, just getting th- things like that and g- g- getting these insights and, yeah, things like that of, 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 of our truth or killings or, you know, and well, just yeah. seeing all that that side of it, that history in, in dance that, That's and the beauty of, of, of podcasting is you get a chance to really get to yeah. know people. Like, even with Dean Ambrose, we yeah. were talking one day about Bigfoot. I'm like, you're into that? He goes, I love it. I go, dude. Set up the mic right now. Let's talk paranormal yeah. Dean Ambrose and just talked about that sort of stuff. I love it. People like seeing that other side of the coin yeah. as well. So And it gets that much more exciting. I had a, a comic book guy called Garth Ennis on who wrote Preacher and The Boys mm-hmm. and loads of really big things. And I was excited in general. Then the bit that we both nerded out on was he mentioned The Shield, which incidentally Kurt Sutter wrote, but I was a massive fan of the, of the TV series The Shield. The Shield. Okay. Yeah. Um, he mentioned that. 
and we just nerded out for 20 minutes on that because <laughs> yeah. no one really talked. Everyone talks about the wire and a few others, but the shield was amazing. So we had that moment of, and then I had to rein myself in and go, right, I should talk more about his comic books because yeah. his fans are going to be listening that want to hear that, not <laughs> yeah. hear us go, and have an episode two when this happens and all that. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's a great format. It's a that's, beautiful yeah, thing absolutely. There. Well, that's how we became buds on exactly. distraction pieces. Scroobius Pip. Well, I'll never forget your name, Perfect. nor, nor you your sexy me. beard. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks to Scroobius Pip, England's number one podcaster, for joining us here in Talk is Jericho and for having me on his podcast as well. It was a great time. It's called Distraction Pieces. Uh, check out his podcast at iTunes or on his website, scroobiuspip.co.uk. Uh, thank you to Scroobius. And just what a killer name. I just love that name. Uh, great guy. And we had a blast on the show. Thanks to Scroobius, and thanks to all of you for supporting my great Talk is Jericho sponsors, audible.com. Go to audible.com slash Jericho for a free 30-day trial and audio book, and ddpyoga.com slash Jericho. Get 10% off anything you paddle choose for a limited time, including the new collector's edition of the Resurrection of Jake the Snake documentary. It's amazing. And, of course, the OG original gangsta sponsor, Amazon. Easiest way to support this show. Please use my Amazon links anytime you do online shopping. All the links at podcast1.com. Click on the Killer Deals button in the top right corner of the page. Then hit the Talk is Jericho button. I got Amazon links for the USA, UK, Canada. A. Every time you use the Talk is Jericho Amazon links, Amazon kicks back a small percentage to this show to help us cover production costs. Anything you can think of uh, on Amazon, you can buy it. And I want you to be a Talk is Jericho Amazon warrior. Post a picture of what you bought on the Twitter at Talk is Jericho, and then uh, I'll retweet it, and I'll follow you. How's that sound? Be an Amazon warrior for Talk is Jericho. Don't forget, go to podcast1.com, click on the Killer Deals button in the top right corner of the page, UAG, and then hit the Talk is Jericho button. Thank you for listening. Keep listening for the 60-second AP News headlines coming up next. Stay hard, stay hungry, peace, love, and hugs. Thank you so much for listening. Go check out The Conjuring uh, last week, uh, the uh, Sandra Toflini talking about the Benoit tragedy. Thanks to Scroobius Pip, and on Friday... It is July 1st, which is Canada Day, and I am bringing to you the Canadian Rock Show with my good friends Brent Fitz and Todd Kearns from Slash's band with Miles Kennedy. They are part of the Conspirators and old, old friends of mine. I went to high school with Fitz. I used to hate him, as you hear all about it. And Todd Kearns, of course, a tremendous, tremendous uh, singer, guitar player, bass player. Both of them rocked it with Slash for the last four or five years, now on hiatus as Slash is rocking with Guns N' Roses. We played in Coverboy together. Uh, It's going to be Brett Fitz. Todd Kearns and my good friend Solo Cup Jeff, another high school buddy of mine, all together for the Canadian Rock Show. We're going to talk about the greatest Canadian rock and roll bands of all time. A big slice of Canadiana, what it's like to grow up in Canada together in Winnipeg. It's a, a, a good, good time. Always fun to get together with a group of my friends. And this is uh, very much like the 25th anniversary show when it was uh, Dr. Luther, Don Callis, and Lance Storm. It's the opposite. It's the music version of that. Brent Fitz, Todd Kearns, Solo Cup Jeff are going to be here on Friday for the Canadian Rock Show. We'll see you then. A big yeah, boy. How's it going, eh? Going to drink a two for eh? on Canada D. Canadian Rock Show. All right. Okay, come on, eh? You can download new episodes of Talk is Jericho every Wednesday and Friday at podcast1.com. That's podcastone.com.